you know, you always want to feel as though you're a safe place for them to go. Mm -hmm. But it would have to be something major for me to break their trust. So if they trusted me with information that they did not want to be shared Mm -hmm. or didn't feel that they needed it to be shared, then I would honor that commitment and that trust. Welcome to Black Addict, the next adventure of Gail and Tia. I'm Tia Price. Hey, everybody. I'm Gail Brown. And we're happy to be with you once again. Gail, I just got back from Wine in the Woods. How was it? That was the first time they've had it since the pandemic, huh? Yeah, it was really exciting because there were a lot of different groups there. It really was kind of a family event. Even though it was Wine in the Woods, Mm -hmm. it seemed as though a lot of people came together. And... Mm -hmm. It was a fun event. There was music. There was good food. People were playing spades, which I haven't seen in so long. (laughs) You know, it's like we haven't been together in so long. So it was a really great time. It was two days. So I am really exhausted because it was 96 degrees every day. Yeah. I'm surprised you said it was like a family event because you would think because it's wine, the focus is wine, but there was music and everything. But I wonder if it was a family event because... You know, a lot of people couldn't get babysitters or have somebody to watch their kids. We remember those days. Yes, exactly. I mean, there were some kids there. There were young kids there. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't the type of thing where people were really drinking heavily. It was Mm -hmm. just kind of a festive thing with food and entertainment. There were people selling crafts. It was really a nice event. Picnic benches. It was great. Oh, good, good. Well, you know, talking about remembering the days where, you know, we would have to find babysitters. I mean, our girls and boy are (laughs) grown and don't need the babysitters, but how much we relied on family and friends to help us during those times. And there are people out there who, you know, really stepped up to the plate and (laughs) stepped right on in when we couldn't. And they are such a blessing. And that's what I want to talk about today. You know, we are focusing on relationships this season. And I want to talk about what I've heard called super aunts or auntie armies. And so our guest today is one such super aunt. And I'd like to introduce you and everyone to Sherry Curtis. Sherry is a strategic communications consultant and government program manager in the DMV. She's lived and worked in many places inside and outside of the country, beginning her career in New Jersey. And then she went off to Los Angeles, New York City, even the Virgin Islands. And now she's in Washington, DC, where she holds down leadership positions that allow her to travel extensively. She enjoys the love of an amazing family a supportive village of extended family members and a host of true and genuine friends. So welcome, Sherry. Welcome, Sherry. Hey, Vibe Tribe. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> it is great, great, great. Thank well, you for inviting me. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so glad you're here, Sherry. Just, you know, we go way back, but we have, I grew up with uh, Sherry's youngest sister and Sherry actually lived with us for a time when she was in college. Oh wow. So she was like the big sister that I never had. Mm-hmm. And she is a loving and caring and nurturing person and the person who will always have your back. 
And Sherry, you have a very special relationship with not only your sisters, but your youngest sister's children. You have two nieces and a nephew. Do you feel like you're a super aunt? No, not <laughs> You know, I've just been engaged from the beginning. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, several years older than my youngest sister, and I didn't have any children. And, you know, when she started having her babies, they just belonged to the family. You know, I think there's a interesting relationship you have when you have a really close family. It's a responsibility for everybody in the village to just step up and do their thing. And so, you know, when you don't have any children, you know, it's hard to imagine that you don't love them as much as you would if they were your own, mm-hmm. you know, because they came in as a part of the family. You feel it is like a responsibility and the role of an aunt and every family member, to, because it does take a village to raise a child. Absolutely. But not necessarily in the traditional sense, but I do mm-hmm. think you have a responsibility to step up and make sure that your lived experience is shared Mm -hmm. so that all the pieces fit. Okay. You focused on when your nieces and nephews came into your life that you wanted to help them as far as their experiences. Well, it was always a joy to be around them because for a long time, we didn't even live in close proximity. Mm -hmm. So every time we got together, it was extra, extra special. And I did have the luxury of having jobs that let me travel. So there were several opportunities for me to visit them when I was on work travel and, you know, and create pleasurable opportunities for us to engage. And so I wasn't always the babysitter or called in to do that as much as I was a welcomed um, addition to the little tribe. (laughs) So as a welcome addition to the tribe, did you ever have to worry about stepping on their parents' toes or kind of taken over? No, I mean, it was always clear because I'm the big sister. Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of carry that anyway (laughs) in terms (laughs) of, you know, being the one who, you know, has a strong voice and a strong presence. Mm -hmm. But with the kids, it was always respecting their parents. So even if there was a request or something that they wanted to do, it was always, well, we have to check with your mom and dad. Mm -hmm. I never felt the pressure of really stepping on their toes. And I don't remember any major occasions where either one of them sort of said, hey, you know, these are our kids back off. Mm -hmm. I never really got that because there was always that level of respect in terms of their role and my role. So even if it was, you know, I want to take the kids someplace, it was always it was never I'm going to. It was always, is it okay if I? So I think that's the part that would make it so that nobody would think I was you know, overstepping or trying to be a mom, Mm -hmm. you know, never being a mom. That's never the role that I was trying to play. And not being a mom by choice. Well, you know, I can't always say it's by choice, but it's Mm -hmm. by happenstance. I mean, I think when you're a little kids and you play with your dolls, you name them all of what your children's names are going to be when you're growing up. (laughs) That's just the kind of thing that you do when you're a girl Mm -hmm. growing up in, you know, a traditional lifestyle and a traditional family. But, you know, the way life has it, you know, you go to college and and you move on and you get really great jobs. And, you know, maybe the choice of having a life partner didn't come at the time when you thought it might. Mm-hmm. But you never really stop your role. And I always was embraced by a, a positive experience in terms of my family. So 
I never had the pressure, although I think my mother, you know, was waiting, you know, every day. (laughs) Even when my my sister started having kids, it was like, well, they're not yours, you know. (laughs) So (laughs) I think there was always a time when there was that expectation, especially because I was, you know, successful professionally and, you know, an asset to the collective. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think everybody wants you to, you know, reproduce it at some point. But it, you know, it just never happened. And Mm -hmm. I was impressed. I think a lot of people, though, really want that experience and really want to have a child. And so if they don't reach a certain age and they don't, they're actually a little disappointed. I've never been disappointed. I've always had kids around me. Mm -hmm. I started my career as a school teacher. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think that was my birth control. (laughs) 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 You know, it really wasn't. It's just that I've always had good relationship with kids. I have a couple of godchildren that I'm really close to and they're all now grown. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and they have kids and, you know, um, Aunt Sherry or Gigi to all of their kids. And it's just always been great. I mean, I've never I'm not one of those that has any regrets. I think that's what I'm trying to say. I don't regret at all not actually having children. Mm -hmm. I have a, she's passed on now, but my Aunt Mary Mm -hmm. was a childless aunt and she and her husband, you know, never had children. And they were such a tour de force in our family in terms of being supportive and loving. And I always believed that if you didn't have children, you were okay because they don't have to come through you for you to love them. Exactly. So it's never been, I mean, I feel that way about your kids. If they ever called me and just said, Aunt Sherry, I need, mm-hmm. I'd be just like, what time, where, when? Yeah. Yes, yeah. you would. That's yes. it. Yep. I'm glad they don't call me a lot. Because <laughs> they could give you a laundry list of what they need. Yeah, but if they did, if they did, I wouldn't ask any questions. Mm-hmm. So you have made your nieces and nephews feel very comfortable with you. I mean, you just have a great loving relationship. So do you feel that they can talk more freely with you than they can with their mom and dad? I'm usually the one that asks the questions, Mm. you know, but there have been times when we were engaging in conversation, especially now that they're older. Mm -hmm where we get into conversations that they may not necessarily have with their parents, but not secrets. Mm. You know, it's more like to get my perspective because all of us are very different. Mm -hmm. And so it would be to get my take. So I don't try to make decisions for them, but I throw in my two cents and they leverage that with other, you know, opportunities that they've reached with other members of the family or friends. And then they make their own informed decisions. Mm Mm-hmm. I think I'm strong in terms of their sphere of influence, but I really am comfortable with having conversations with them and don't feel like I have to share the conversation I have with them, with their parents, because I don't feel like they're holding back or holding any secrets away from their parents. Right. But what if they did come to you with a secret? (laughs) How do you, how do you decide, you know, whether or not to tell their parents? Well, I mean, even with their little, I'm saying, is this something we're supposed to share with mommy and daddy? <laughs> and then you'd get the no. <laughs> I mean, you know, you always want to feel as though you're a safe place for them to go. Mm-hmm. But it would have to be something major for me to break their trust. So if they trusted me with information that they did not want to be shared mm-hmm. or didn't feel that they needed it to be shared, then I would honor that commitment and that trust. 
Was there any time, you know, and, and still to this day, I'm sure you have personal conversations or maybe even private conversations with your niece and nephew where you learned something about them that you felt you needed to share with their parents? And that could be like a gift that they have. Maybe they're really great at music or maybe they're having a challenge. Not really. I mean, there may have been some things that concerned me, you know, when I spent time with my nieces or my nephew and things that concerned me about how they approach their thinking about certain things, but none of it was ever unknown to the parents, you know? So, you know, because there's no secrets, it was never something that I felt like I needed to share, but there have been times when they were hanging out with me maybe, and I observed certain behavior that I sort of on the QT had to just share just mm-hmm. so that everybody knew what was happening, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a secret because they're like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, we've seen that too. Yeah. So it's never been something where I've made this big reveal and, you know, but also you want to develop a relationship with your siblings, children, and even your godchildren and people that you, you parent or play auntie to. You always want them to feel comfortable enough to share with you and not feel like, they're hiding anything from their parents, but also feel comfortable enough to have a conversation with you about it without feeling intimidated that you're going to run off and tell immediately. But, you know, we've been lucky that there's been no major crisis that have occurred, you know, but I do have a special relationship with my nieces and nephews. And there are conversations that we have that don't necessarily need to be shared. Mm -hmm. And while the information may not be something that's unknown to the parents, the way we process it could be very different. And I think that's another piece that's valuable in terms of your relationship with your, your siblings, children, or children in your life, mm-hmm. to be able to give your perspective to that situation, which may be very different from their parents, but it's not negative. It's just the way you see it. And you know, no two people see life through the same prism. So it's always nice to have somebody else to take a look at the situation. And, you know, now that they're grown, I always tell them in particular, you need to weigh all the options. So I'm going to tell you what I think, and you need to tap grandma and you need to tap your parents and see what they think. And once all the options are laid out, you're grown, you know, pick one Mm -hmm. or figure out that you don't want to pick either of them and pick another one. But you need to be able to understand that there's different perspectives on certain situations and that don't lock yourself into just one box. Yeah, that's really valuable because when kids, especially when they're growing up during their middle school years or high school years, where if they run into a situation that they don't feel comfortable talking to their parents, they talk to their friends, same age, same mindset, and they don't always get the best advice. So having an aunt or an uncle or another, you know, an adult in their lives who they feel comfortable talking with is so much better than relying on the advice of someone who is not really capable of giving them. And I lived with that model. You know, Mm -hmm. my dad has a couple of sisters that I was always able to, you know, kick it with and to share things with. And I think I live by my experience. Mm -hmm. So I was lucky enough to have aunts on both sides of my family that I could have conversations with that had nothing to do with what I would share with my parents. I also had young grandmothers, you Mm -hmm. know, so, you know, my parents had me when they were young and I had young grandmothers and there's conversations I had with 
both my grandmothers that I would never have had with my mother or my father as I was coming along as a young woman. So, you know, I think it is important to make yourself present in their life and leave yourself open to listen. And, you know, I can only go by what I know and what I learned. So I felt like it was important for me to develop a relationship with my nieces and nephew because I grew up having that. And it's a wonderful thing. I actually wish they would talk to me more, but, you know, kids today are a little different, you know, they, yeah. they, they work in a different world in terms of how they communicate. So I will have to say, though, if I ask a question, I always get an answer. So kids today are not always very forthcoming, but aunts and uncles out there who are listening, who want to know how to engage, ask questions, you know, and you can't be afraid of the kind of answer you're going to get back, but you need to ask questions and they will answer. I've never gotten a disrespectful response or a I'm not going to tell you that kind of response, but you know, it's like pulling teeth sometimes because they're not always very forthcoming. Mm -hmm. You know, we ran our mouth when we were growing up, but they're a little bit more reserved. Yeah. You know that, right? Because y'all have kids and you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Or do you have a perspective about their mom growing up? And do you tell your nieces and nephews, oh, your mother used to do this and she used to do that. So do you give them another perspective on their mother and share stories with them to help them understand maybe why she has made certain decisions for them or reacted to a situation in such a way? Do you give them that insight? Through stories, Mm -hmm. you know, not tattling, but through stories. So I think what's important in terms of the role as an aunt or even an uncle is to share experiences in a way that they get the perspective without tattling or, or making it seem like, you know, well, your mother used to do that all the time. You know, we always tried to stop her from doing that. You know, we never have those kinds of engagements, but I think it's important to share stories and give them a perspective because parents aren't always comfortable talking to their kids about everything that happened when they were younger. And sometimes because you guys know, as parents, you get caught up in the being a mom, handling home, work life balance and all of Mm -hmm. that. You don't always remember sometimes some of the little things that we observe, you know, (laughs) that we can bring back, you know, to the fore. So something Mm -hmm. that you might have done when you were 12 or 13, you know, they may have forgotten about all that because so much has happened since then. So, yeah, I think it's important that you share it, but through storytelling, not, you know, not through tattling. Right. You've told my kids some stories. (laughs) And I I have a few more. (laughs) I have a few more. I can tell them if they ask. A lot of times you do it in response to a question. Uh You know, like, did mom ever do that? Do you ever remember mom, you know, saying those kinds of things, you know, when she was younger? Mm -hmm. But usually I'm the one that's forthcoming with, you know, bringing those kinds of things to the fore. Mm -hmm. So speaking of that, what are some of the values that you wanted to instill in your nieces and nephews? I think one thing that was important for me to instill in my nieces and nephews always was to see the world through an equity lens. I think their parents reinforced that as well, but to not see any borders, to understand the world and see what joy they can get from other experiences. You never want them to just stay locked into one thought pattern or one thought process. 
You know, you want them to read from a variety of different authors. You want them to learn about kids in other countries. You want them to see how other people live in the world, to expand their horizons in that way, and to make choices in their education and in their extracurricular activities that are not just the basic standard, to step outside of your comfort zone a little bit and try things that are a little hard and maybe different, but at the end of the day, you learn from that. Mm-hmm. So you have a, like I said, a very special relationship with your nieces and nephews, and you made a pact with them when they were quite young, and you challenged them and gave them a goal and a not really a surprise, but something to look forward to when they turned thirteen. Tell us about that. So when they were really little in their toddler ages, I told them that if they got A's and really good grades in school and were well behaved and, you know, participated in the extracurricular activities, you know, at school, that I would be very proud of them and I would take them anywhere they wanted to go in the world when they turned 13 years old. So there were times, you know, during the period as they grew towards being 13 that, you know, it came up. Mm-hmm. from time to time. And I think probably when they were like seven or eight, you know, they made some decisions about where they wanted to go. Mm-hmm. So my eldest niece picked France. Okay. I'm assuming that, you know, it was after Rugrats in Paris. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, She was young and she picked Paris. Mm-hmm. And my middle niece picked Hawaii, probably had something to do with Lilo and Stitch. And Stitch. Mm-hmm. At the time it was happening. And my nephew, who's the youngest of the three, wanted to go to zoos and animal parks. Mm-hmm. You know, at some point, I think he wanted to swim with dolphins, but he hadn't quite figured it out yet. <laughs> but he was very into animals at the time and really wanted to do that. Okay. Um, I wanted to go to Australia, but his mom kind of thought that was a little too far. So she nixed that. Hey, can you give an example? I know we talked about the travel or any other ways that you instilled those values. I think the important thing is just let them to hang out with you. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to cost a whole lot of money. It doesn't have to change you in terms of the way you do things. You don't have to be so intentional. You know, I'm not challenging people to be intentional, you know, just let them hang out with you. If they hang out with you and see how you live and you keep a positive attitude around them, then they're going to pick up things sometimes, you know, without you even knowing that they picked up certain things or learn certain things, or they might come to your house and go to your bookshelf and pick a book off of your shelf that you otherwise would not have shared with them and said, check this out. You know, I remember one time my niece came by my house and she was doing something in school. And she just said, Aunt Cherry, I bet you you have a book by Langston Hughes. Do you have anything by Langston Hughes? And she looked on the bookshelf and she saw it. I hadn't touched that book in I don't know how many years. It was just there as a part of my library. Mm -hmm. But the nice thing was she actually identified me as somebody that probably had that book. So where did she get that from? You know, there must have been something in her orientation or knowing me that made her feel like I probably had a book by Langston Hughes. So that's what I mean by you don't have to be intentional. You just have to let them hang out with you and they will learn and see who you are and what you're about. And it might be years later when you see it come back. Mm -hmm. So tell me what advice would you give to parents, you know, when they're starting out with their families, what do you want to share with them 
with regards to the role of a super aunt, quote unquote, super aunt? Well, I think it has a lot to do in the beginning with your relationship with your siblings before you even start having children. I mean, I was blessed to have a really good relationship with my siblings. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important to give them the opportunity to be a part of the entire process and figure out when it's time to share and when it's time to pull back. Mm -hmm. So you're not always invited to everything and you can't be upset about that, but you do want to let them know that you're there. And I think that aunts, particularly, you know, those who have means, and I'm not saying wealthy, but, you know, not having any children, you may have a little bit of discretionary income. And I think that aunts and uncles can play a very important role in terms of filling the gaps and maybe being able to fill in financially and support some activities that you otherwise may be strapped to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also something that's really great to be able to complement the family structure in such a way that you participate in an open and honest relationship, but also make offers. And I don't think any parent, I mean, because there's no real book on this, you know, should ever feel like they made any major mistakes. Because when you made those decisions, it was coming from a place of love and caring. And if it didn't turn out the way after you thought about it, that it should have, you know, you can't beat yourself up about it. Yeah, very good advice. You can't Mm -hmm. dial it back. You know, you can only move forward. I think there was a woman in 2016 that gave it an acronym. It doesn't feel like coming from the village, but I think it was called Hanks. Hanks? Yeah. Professional aunt, no kids. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and I know a lot of them, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that what I learned most from Aunt Mary and what I learned from a lot of people as I was growing up, that you don't have to subscribe to a traditional role and feel like you are not following through on an expectation of your family or your life or your heritage because you happen not to be a mom. Well, it doubles back to you saying that I chose not to be a mom. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I actually chose not to be a mom as much as the trajectory of my life didn't invite that to happen. Mm -hmm. And so even for the time that I was married, because I was married for almost nine years, it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And so it was never a disappointment. And, you know, I never felt like I had to run out and figure out another way to make it happen. But for some people, it is a personal desire and they will do whatever they can to fulfill that experience. And I think the advice I would give is it takes all of us and not Mm -hmm. everybody fits in that same mold. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel today that I'm a huge disappointment to my parents. I think my mother being a mom you know, would have liked to see me be a mom just because she loves me and she would love to see me be able to carry on who I am through another person. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's no issue. Right. Sherry, one of the things that I was thinking about is you were indicating as a pank, correct? Pank or prank? Pank. I was with Sherry. (laughs) No, but I like the term. term. I like the term, but you said you know, you've provided a listening ear, you've helped support 
expectations, you know, by rewarding them when they've achieved certain things. You tell them stories and provide them history, family history that gives them context. Uh, you provide experiences that are unique, you know, maybe things that their parents can't do or haven't thought to do, or you know, even as a reward you talked about. But what have you learned from these relationships? What have you gotten out of this? Well, I think kids in general in my life has all have always been my joy and laughter, mm-hmm. you know, and being a school teacher, you know, and being able to watch some of the challenges that families have, mm-hmm. you know, not everything is peaches and cream, you know, and seeing the tough times. I think I was always motivated to make sure that nobody in my circle had to sustain any pain unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that's the part that I've learned is that it's important to share whatever's good you can share and lift people up as much as you can, especially the young people, because they do get, you know, and nowadays they have a lot of anxiety. They have a lot of issues. They're so overstimulated Mm -hmm. by too many, you know, we didn't have a lot of information like that. You know, we had like maybe five television channels. And, you know, no cell phone, (laughs) no internet growing up. Right. So because professionally, if I had to grow into this world, you know, of social media and all this overstimulation, I think it's important to help with the balance and try to recognize some of the signs, because I think there are red flags that go up where you might be seeing something in one of your nieces and nephews that the parents don't see and be able to you know, bring that to everyone's attention and make sure that you're a part of making sure that they can navigate this crazy world with as many tools as possible. So it's really about tools and it's really about giving people ways to cope, you know, coping skills and Mm -hmm. tools to be able to make it in this world, you know, and be the best that you can be, you know, without a lot of pressure, you know, just with a little bit of love and caring, you know, I got your back. Mm-hmm. You know, you're already smart. Let's just do this. And if you change your mind, you can do something else. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's just that simple. Mm-hmm. Well, you are certainly a super aunt, a super sister, a super, you know, big sister to me. You've always have been. And, you know, I think there are many people out there like you who do so much for their nieces and nephews. And I don't know, I don't know if they're recognized enough. Yeah, there was an article a long time ago that I read about, you know, how it's an unrecognized, you know, phenomenon, Mm -hmm. the childless or uncle, Mm -hmm. and how it, because of the stereotypical expectations of certain roles you're supposed to play, you know, you don't get recognized that way. But in my experience, I mean, I had wonderful relationships with my aunts. I'm, I'm not any more super than they were. I mean, I am who I am because of what I've learned from those who, who raised me. And it's nice to be considered super. But as I've gotten enough birthdays, I too have seen and recognized so many people that I've met along the way that do what I do unconditionally and don't really think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a friend whose nephew had just finished law school. He got this really great job. His parents had other children. You know, They had modest means, not a lot. Mm-hmm. And 
as soon as he got his job, his car died, mm. you know, and she okay. said, you know, I have to help him. Mm. You know, he's done everything we expected to do and more, and I got to help him. So, I mean, there's so many stories like that of people and families that just have stepped up to share. There's so many aunts that have had to take children into their home because either the parents weren't available or they died or it just seemed to be the best fit for what the child needed. And, you know, we got to give kudos to all the aunts and uncles that recognize when it's time to step in and do what they have to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, look, I just looked up, you know, there's a national day for everything. National Aunt and Uncle Day is the July. Sunday. Oh, you know. <laughs> and I've never gotten a present. <laughs> I get my gifts and ribs and drafts. I get them at different times. They're not always associated with the day. But I just read that not too long ago. And I'm like, nobody ever told me that the third Sunday in July is National Aunt's Day. Mm-hmm. So let it be known right here on Black At It, the next adventure with Gail and Tia, National Aunt and Uncle Day, third Sunday in July. Get well, your I'm gifts glad, and I'm cards. Glad add the uncles because I didn't know uncles. I've only seen National Aunts Day. Okay. Well, this is one I just Googled, and it's, they include the aunts and uncles. You know, you got to be inclusive. Absolutely. I'm all for it. <laughs> I mean, your, your brothers are great uncles. So I see that. Yes. Yes. Kudos to my brothers. One of which who was there, you know, when my second was born and he's just been attached to my son ever since. So kudos to the aunts and uncles. We will celebrate you in July and every other day of the year because you are such a a big part of our kids' lives and such a so supportive to us as well as to them. So we thank you. Super Sherry. And Sherry, I want to thank you for being on our podcast today. Thank you so much. And for sharing your experiences with your niece and nephew and others. And, you know, from all of us to you, thank you for being so super. My pleasure. (laughs) I will try to live up to that title. Yes. Well, you have. You have. (laughs) Tia, you want to wrap it up for us? Yes. Thank you again, Sherry. And thanks so much, all for listening. Remember to join us on our Vibe Tribe and follow us on Spotify, Audible, Google, and Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to look out for our in-person events. We hope to see you soon. And we will continue to highlight ordinary women who are doing extraordinary things. Talk to you soon. Bye.